Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussion, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Muslima Williams about her thoughts on global citizenship. Muslima is an accessibility coordinator at Oberlin College. She talks about why her work to embrace and support students' needs with kindness is rooted in her values as a global citizen. She believes that more empathy, more generosity of spirit, and more diversity with an open heart are key to fostering global citizens. Enjoy the conversation. I'm Muslima Williams. I am based in Oberlin, Ohio, and I am an access coordinator. And essentially, I work with students day in, day out to find accommodations that remove barriers to access in the classroom or housing. Hi, Muslima. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm very excited to, to learn more about your educator journey and what what got you into the work of um, being an access coordinator. Um, I think that's going to be really fascinating. I, I, I don't think I've heard of someone whose specific role is to like just remove barriers within, you know, that that the kind of like education system. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely want to learn more about that. And I'm sure that there were there's a variety of roles that you play to get to that point um, to be in that position. And, and then just kind of overall what motivates you and drives you to do the work that you do. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, continue to interview classmates of mine. Um, all of you have such unique stories and it's just really wonderful how we're all able to like take this journey together. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get into the first big question, the unpacking question. <laughs> So uh, the the various milestones uh, that you've 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 had to traverse in this journey of yours, um, if you could share out a few of them and and kind of bring us up to speed of like from maybe like initial moments that were quite formative or influences on your life, and then kind of up until this very point where yeah you're saying I'm an access coordinator in Ohio like yeah take us on that journey. For sure. Um, so in terms of influences, um, definitely uh, my parents, especially my mother, um, was a huge influence and continues to be. Um, so I kind of come from a family of educators. Both of my parents were elementary, primary school teachers. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid I wanted to be anything but a teacher um, but um when I was I guess in high school that's when things started to take a, uh, a turn to really deciding what I wanted to do um in life and I just picked up a psychology book and instantly fell in love and uh people were always kind of a mystery to me. And I felt that psychology really explained so many of those mysteries. Um, so my passion just grew and I uh, eventually did my uh, bachelor's in psychology. And then uh, for me, it was like pretty cut and dry. Okay. Jumping straight into a master's after graduating. Um, and I uh, went to Wales with every intention of like pursuing psychology all the way to like PhD level. And when I got there, it was just not for me. Um, so we did a little bit of uh, reevaluating. <laughs> and um, I then decided that high school, teaching high school would be incredible and in teaching psychology. So I did a um, postgraduate certificate in education in England and taught high school for a while. Um, 
And then I moved back to the States just as COVID hit. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, education, as you know, was just uh, this uncharted terrain with all of the um, online learning and, you know, the shutdowns. So I... Um, I didn't go into teaching for a while. Um, it was a couple years. And then I really just had this dream of getting into the college in my hometown and just sort of working there. Um, I've always wanted to be in like a helping profession or um, just something uplifting and, um, like a, a service, uh, career, I guess. So I applied, uh, for an opening and I got my dream job, which is a student accessibility coordinator. And I think very few people can say they genuinely love their work. Um, but I'm super blessed to be one of the few, um, the students on my campus are just absolutely incredible and I stay in awe of their talent and especially with the students who have so many um, diagnoses and disabilities that they're working through just uh, the barriers that they have to kind of break through every day and still like succeed and thrive is just really inspiring to me. Um, but I, I will have to say, I think, um, you know, working in offices for, you know, disability services in, in higher education they are a barrier in themselves because no other student has to um, go through, you know, getting documentation and disclosing something very personal to them to a complete stranger um, and, you know, going through that whole process of requesting accommodations. So uh, I'm really fortunate to have a team who recognizes that and tries to adopt universal design as much as they can and accessible practices. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Leela. Um, it's, it's just so evident in the way that you, you speak about your, your current job, that it, you truly love the work that you do. You love the students that you, you serve and, and that you have a great team around you. That, have, mm -hmm. that has those sensibilities of like how difficult a situation some of these students might be, you know, experiencing when they approach you. And there might be some hesitation, there might be some shame, some embarrassment, or or all of the above. Uh, mm -hmm. And yet, right, they they seek help. And and I would say, you know, in, in the current times that we live in, um, being able to ask for help is a tremendous sign of, of, of courage, right? And, and that, you know, ultimately that relationship that is started between the students and you and your, your team at the, the, you know, community college, like ultimately it, it leads to much better experience, more fruitful, um, you know, time where they can really explore and like understand what their, their pathway is in life. And I think that's, that's, you know, such a beautiful thing. Um, so very, very happy for you. Um, and, you know, I'm also, you know, very curious about um, all of these various different kind of like points in your life uh, that form the beautiful constellation um, <laughs> of your journey. And um, I wanted to, you know, take, you know, kind of take us back to those major influences that you you pointed out by right? those being you know, your parents. So um, I guess first question would be um, what what would you say are the, the qualities uh, about your parents that really inspire you the most? And secondly, why 
why didn't you want to become a, a teacher in the beginning? What were some of the things that you, you saw from teachers around you or from the schedule of your parents that initially dissuaded you? Yeah, um, I guess let's dive into the last question first. Um, so what dissuaded me? Uh, it, it was definitely um, their workload. So uh, my parents worked uh, in small private faith-based schools. Um, my mother uh, particularly wore many hats as, as you know, you're ex kind of expected to do in, in small schools. Um, and uh, so there would be constant grading, um, uh, you know, parent-teacher conferences. Um, she also helped uh, with uh, chartering a couple schools. Um, so she's just this superwoman to me. Um, but also, uh, wherever she went, I went too. I'm the only child. So, um, and uh, I just was always with her. So I would see the politics. I would have a little bit of access to board meetings. I would just be like kind of um, in the corner playing with my dolls and um, seeing everything unfold. And you do pick up on things when you're a child. Um, so for me, um, I, I felt like that realm um, was not for me. And um, I was right, you know, higher ed is definitely, uh, where it's at for me. Um, but I, I think, yeah, the workload and, um, uh, my mother going into the qualities now of my parents, uh, that I think were very influential on me. She's an extremely giving person, um, a very generous, definitely, I would say embodies that, um, uh, like she is a global citizen. So, and, and she really does, uh, a really intentional job of connecting with people from all walks of life and, um, uplifting and she does it with a genuine, um, a very genuine intention. Um, so that's where I draw a lot of my inspiration in, in, you know, checking my internal biases, whatever they might be, and, and trying to reflect and grow and work on acceptance and empathy. Um, yeah. So thankful for mom. <laughs> Shout out to the mom. Yeah. You're listening. Um, yeah, well, thank you for for sharing that. I, I think it's it's really important to to acknowledge, you know, the parental figures and, and in this case, you know, the the role that your your mom played, of course your father as well. But um share a little bit about more about your mother and how she was this kind of role model of like what it meant to be a, a generous person. And I think that's like a wonderful way to, to kind of describe someone, um, to have that spirit of really looking at what's happening around her, what's, what, what's going on in the lives of, of people who maybe are, are struggling or, or that they, they can, I don't know, she has something, some skill or some, you know, just even if it's just available, like her time to give, yeah. and then she's wanting to do that. Um, I think alleviating the suffering of others is just, you know, one of the best like character, you know, qualities that someone can have. So um, I think that's amazing. Um, and the way you talked about like why you didn't at first want to be a teacher makes total sense because <laughs> yeah. I I also I didn't have you know parents who were teachers, but I I had teachers in general going from you know throughout school, and there's always this sense that like a lot of them just felt tired. Um, and, and I'm a teacher myself and I'm like, oh, I'm tired too. So yeah, maybe it's just, it's, it's a, you know, enduring thing that teachers, um, put up with a lot. Um, 
And yet, you know, you found yourself teaching in, yeah. in Wales, right. Of, of all places. Um, you know, that's, so I, I definitely want to get into that experience and like what, aside from a master's in like psychology, what else drew you to Wales? Um, but, um, but before we go there, um, I did want to mention, cause like, you know, you talked about how important, you know, your, your mother was to you. And I remember last semester, so not too long ago, we had a brave communications class and we mm -hmm. did many different speeches. And one of my, um, you know, one of the TFs uh, for my particular section, um, she mentioned, oh, Muslima had such a great speech. And oh. I went and watched the speech where you talked about going to a farmer's market or some kind of like open air market. Um, and and it was, you know, it was about your, your mom uh, encountering discrimination and mm -hmm. how she responded. Um, and it was such a touching speech. And I was wondering if you'd feel comfortable to kind of share uh, a little bit about that story. Of course, in, you know, in a different way, it's, you don't have to, I'm not going to time you for four minutes <laughs> in class or something. Um, but I felt like, you know, that being, I think your values speech really like struck a chord um, with a lot of people, including myself. And so um, I feel like that also kind of speaks to how generous a person she is. Um, but yeah, would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about that speech? Yeah, um, that's totally, totally fine. I will say um, it was a, uh, a difficult speech to, to deliver um, a lot of emotion there that I really hadn't fully unpacked. Um, so uh, yeah, it was uh, the Lorraine County Fair actually. Um, I don't mind popping it out there <laughs> because maybe, uh, communities can, can grow and it has, uh, since then. So it's definitely not the same climate as it was. Um, so, um, I was like, uh, I, I want to say it was like 2002, um, around that time, uh, I was like, uh, seven or eight and, um, we had gone to the, the fair. My dad uh, drove us to the fair and it was supposed to be a great little summer night of uh, whimsy. <laughs> and um, it was really exciting when I got there, just amazing. And I remember my dad going to get um, like, you know, those like cheesy sticks that are like fried and delicious, but really bad. <laughs> yeah, those. Um, so he went off to get that and I was walking with my mom and, uh, I remember, um, we walked past this, uh, booth and there was a, a soldier there and it was the first time I'd ever like seen a, uh, like a soldier in real life. And, uh, Initially, I remember thinking like, wow, he looks really cool because he was in the camo uniform and um, he had like a couple girls around him. And looking back, he must have been like 18 or 19, you know, 20, very young. Um, but I remember he had uh, like a, like a, a rifle or something on him and we were walking by and I saw them looking at my mom and kind of like whispering and laughing and he lifted his gun and he aimed it at my mother and um, he went boom and then they just laughed and like I remember looking around and just thinking, isn't anyone going to say anything? Didn't anyone see that? And so I'm looking up at these faces around me and it was just complete, uh, just not 
taking any notice. Um, and I remember my mom's hand just tightening around me and her pace quickened and, um, like I could, I could feel that she was afraid. And then, so I was also afraid. Um, and I told her, you know, mom, should we go tell dad? Should we get him? And she just said, no, mostly we're just going to pray for him that God puts love in his heart. And she took that approach with so many things um, in life, things that I felt like she shouldn't have, like speak up and, and, you know, say something. And I, I remember, you know, I've, I've told this story before, um, and people would just be shocked, like, oh my gosh, didn't, didn't you like report them? And when you're in this identity of what you feel is like powerlessness and a key thing I should mention <laughs> that I completely did not because it's so much a part of her. My mom wears hijab, so she's full hijab and, <laughs> um, she wears like uh, long skirts and, you know, very uh, traditional uh, Muslim. Um, that was like a really key piece that I left out, Scott. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I when you're in that identity of like powerlessness or almost you, you almost just you don't want to make it worse. You know, we, we left, we got to safety. We didn't want to like ruffle any feathers. What if that person had followed us home? Like we don't know. Um, so it was like growing up in this sort of, um, I would say like a little bit rural area of Ohio. It, it, it had its challenges, but my mother was on an uh, unapologetically herself she never changed, um, the way that she dressed. Um, instead when people would look at her and, um, you know, in an odd way, she would smile and greet them and in hoping that they would see like the person behind the veil. Um, but, uh, I had always hoped that, you know, people would would see the human first. And I think that is like a huge part of global citizenship is, is seeing the person first before nationality and, and even culture, you know? So. Wow. That's so beautiful. No, I, I, I love that. And I thank you so much for, for sharing that story because as you said, right, to prepare that speech and to go back into those emotions back when you were, you know, so young, um, it, it can be very painful. But I also, I would imagine that by revisiting that and understanding it through another lens and reframing it and being able to really identify, well, what was it that your mom, like, what was she doing that really left such a profound mark on you? Um, I think that's so important. It, it was her humanity, right? And her mm -hmm. ability to rise above this um you know this blatant act of you know just like well i was gonna say discrimination but i mean there's more, many more words for it right i think of like ignorance of you know pettiness of childish childishness um you know it, as a young soldier i mean who knows what what uh, what influences that that person had um, mm -hmm. you know, growing up and how they perceived, I, I mean, you said it was 2002 as well, right? So kind of like yeah. in the wake of September 11th and the, the kind mm -hmm. of nationwide perception of just anyone wearing a hijab or something, you know, to kind of like identify them as Muslim. I mean, terrible discrimination. So, um, so the way that you framed it as like, it, uh, you know, seeing past the veil, really seeing her for who she she is as a human um i yeah I, I think that's that's really it was a really touching speech and even just the way you talk about it now like it's it's still very um very touching and um yeah and i appreciate you for sharing that and again yeah. it just it 
connects so well to like what you initially put out as like a you know the value the core value about your your mother was you know service and, and like in, in a way the fact that like in that moment of fear she chose she chose like nonviolence in a way right <laughs> rather than kind of like backlash i'm gonna like you know try to make you feel just as bad as you made me feel but she put an example for for you and said you know there is something we can do right we can we can pray for, for him yeah. and and the world would be a lot better a place if more people had that as their their response i mean maybe not reflexively right of course i'm sure the the cogs in her head were turned like you know quickly turning and yeah. being like what what okay this is happening all right oh oh you know my daughter's right next to me okay make it make a call um so so yeah she definitely put so much thought and care into that but again it just speaks to her generosity as a as a person so so you know i just i wanted to you know bring that story up because i just <laughs> felt like it was it's so core to to who you are and yeah and i appreciate you for sharing that and making that connection to global citizenship as well yeah. um, so we're, we're making our way towards you know really unpacking that further um, but I appreciate you already kind of like making those connections. Um, so so the next thing I wanted to to ask about, um, yeah, so you went to, to Wales to pursue a master's in psychology, and yet you found yourself teaching in high school instead. Um, what initially like attracted you to wanting to go to Wales, like to the UK? Um, yeah, um, <laughs> so I, I'm actually born in England. Uh, my mother's British. Uh, so um, I left there when I was five and uh, we came to the States. Uh, my dad was uh, from Ohio, born and raised. Um, so we just kind of transitioned over here. Um, but I have always loved um, the UK. I just think uh, the, uh, the cities are so diverse and um just very multicultural and everyone sort of gets along um and so i i actually went there for high school um for sixth form and uh i was going to stay there to complete my bachelor's, but I um, only ended up doing a year there. And then I actually moved back to the States. So I've, I always wanted to go back to England, um, uh, to, to spend a few years there. I have like amazing friends there. I have some family there. Um, uh, my, uh, my husband is also uh, there. And um, so uh, I did end up going to Wales, but I, like I said, after the program, I just felt like it wasn't for me. And I found that out pretty quickly, like within two months. Um, I actually moved from Wales to, uh, to England, um, back to my mom's hometown, actually. Uh, where I was going to high school initially. And um, that's sort of where I, I did the uh, teaching certificate. Um, but it's it's always great to go back there. I, tr I try to go every year um, and just reconnect. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great time. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that I've never been to the UK. Um, but I have heard um, from lots of people about London being very, very, you know, cosmopolitan, mm -hmm. right? Many different cultures intermingling, great food scene, especially so good. <laughs> especially Indian food. They said like that's that's where you go to get yes. Indian food. And I love Indian food. Um and yeah, the fact that you still have, you know, really wonderful and, you know, great friends and you know, you have family there too. So it makes a lot of sense, but at first I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, like Ohio, because that's where I know you are right now. But yeah, going back, it's kind of like that, that you know, second home, um, that place that in, in some ways, you know, you 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 yearn for maybe, because um, I know for myself, um, 
I, I have family in Korea. Uh, my mom's from South Korea. And growing up in California, I never felt a super strong connection of like, wow, I feel very Korean. I was like, well, not really. I mean, my environment was very middle, middle upper class, you know, kind of white surfer community. <laughs> so that was the vibe that I got. And and yet I still yearned for this this faraway place. And it was kind of inexplicable. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's great that you have these opportunities to continuously, you know, like kind of from like year after year, be able to like go back and revisit, reconnect, be reminded of where, um, you know, your, your mom, you know, had many of her like formative years and what influenced her um maybe that maybe that's what it is you know like we we revere we respect our our parents in a way and and it's like wow they, they got to be that way but they lived there right maybe there's a curiosity on our part of like is there more to learn from that experience or a closeness that we get from being there um I don't know I'm just thinking out loud, but um, yeah. that's, I think, really, really wonderful. And like, you have definitely this experience kind of like comparing what life is like in London and Wales, right, for that matter, but the UK compared to like the US. Um, I'm sure there's probably some stark differences that you can point out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, things that you like and things that you don't like about both cultures, right? For sure. Yeah, I um. I I would love to sort of marry the two, but I can't, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I always thought like, I love the openness of the States and it's just, it's really beautiful here. Um, and I love the people here too. Um, but there's something about the people in England that they just have this, um, they just have this resilience that, um, I don't know if it's just like in the pocket of people. Uh, so I was like more based in the West Midlands, but they definitely have this resilience and um, this way of just connecting in in harder moments and keeping joy alive. So fi finding joy in the simple things, I think, um, I just found it to be so much more prevalent there and almost like a part of the culture. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, you, you, you're, you have this like intimacy with both cultures in which you can perceive that um, in a way that someone like myself who doesn't really know the UK um, can't, but I, you know, I, I, I appreciate you, you know, kind of teasing out that, that one aspect of like, wow, like what makes it, what what does make it different, but different in like all the best ways of like, I, I really cherish that, that difference. So um, yeah, so thank you for that. And, um, you know, the next part of, of your journey took you from the UK back to Ohio. And you mentioned it was at a local community college, right? Um, right? That, that you're currently working at or? For this uh, not a, not a community college, a private liberal arts college oh, right. that I'm at right now <laughs> thank you for correcting me on that no okay. for sure Private liberal arts college and um yeah and so this this role that you're playing as accessibility coordinator um I know that you mentioned that it's about like lifting or removing barriers for students so that they can you know have a more like I don't know if it's the words is seamless experience, but, you know, to, to be able to um, advance in their studies and um, feel supported throughout that journey. Um, but yeah, like, could you maybe like share a little bit more about like, yeah, what, what brings out so much joy, maybe, maybe through a story with a student or a cir circumstance that really like, you know, imprinted on you that like this, this is what it's about. This is, you know, vibing with me, not high school, no, thank you. But this, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think with, with um, disability services, it really is just about, you know, leveling that playing field and, and making that experience equitable. I think a lot of the time uh, when we're trying to move toward uh, 
you know, universal design and just making it accessible for everyone. Um, it only benefits everyone. Um, so I think, um, something as simple as a student, uh, perhaps coming in and feeling um, just really overwhelmed by their um, lack of, I guess, executive functioning skills um, and feeling like there's something inherently almost like wrong with them. So carrying some of that shame when it, it, they really shouldn't feel uh, ashamed at all. Um, and I always try to tell my students that skills can be learned. Um, and that's the great part about it is that they can build on those skills and they can be learned. It might not be like a hundred percent and you might have to work like really hard at it, but it is attainable. Um, but one thing uh, that we offer um, that uh, our assistant director put into place is student academic support sessions. And so um, uh, my colleague and I sort of are uh, really getting those into place. And essentially, if a student just needs um, someone who has knowledge of their uh, diagnosis or their disability, um, to just body double or help them with um, scheduling, planning. Um, we offer that now. And um, there's also peer executive functioning tutors that we offer in our campus as well, um, which is great if they need someone who's like in it with them. But if they do want someone with that um, disability knowledge, they can opt for us as well. And those for me have been the most rewarding because um, I I see them every week. So I can see the progress that they're making. And um, yeah, it's it's really great to, to see a student who like it's their first day on campus and they're so overwhelmed and so anxious that they're, you know, almost... Um, having like an anxiety attack and then seeing them slowly just flower and, and someone who would only speak a few words is now like having lengthy conversations and um, feeling like they can, I don't know, just, just really like get through and thrive. And um, it really is just about supporting them with maybe a little extra time with testing, maybe um, letting professors know that if they do need to like knit in class, it's not that they're not paying attention. It's actually helping them focus. So accommodations are so like case by case that we have to enter into an interactive process with the student. We'll spend 45 minutes with the student initially, and we meet with every single one that needs accommodations. Um, so it's all face-to-face -face because you can't, um, I mean, I think before uh, there's a lot of places who sort of focus on like the outdated medical model of just let's check over documentation. Does your provider recommend this accommodation? No, then you're not getting it. Instead, just really, you know, having that person in front of you and having the conversation in, in you know, no one knows them better than themselves. So yeah, just working with them. I'm not sure if I answered your question, Scott, to be real. <laughs> no, I, I, I was I went uh, to a full tangent. With, yeah. <laughs> learning about um, the work that you do. Um, the, the fact that it, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of, um, you know, time to just like sit with the student and just kind of like where that, that student is at in that moment and really like being like, okay, we're here to support you. And and these are the various accommodations that we believe would would suit you well so that you are less anxious, that you are less stressed out. And and that of course, you know, you are successful 
while being here. Um, and so, you know, you kind of pointing out all the various, um, you know, services that you're able to to do um, is, is really wonderful because, yeah, it, it definitely goes beyond just um, the simple checkbox, like, okay, this is, this is what was recommended. You just kind of go off hearsay from some, you know, far removed provider. And mm -hmm. you're saying, no, like college is a time of great change, even on like a week by week basis. So we're here to like have this conversation and, you know, also the follow-ups being very important um, that, you know, while you're, you're like a, you know, professional and you're, you're older, you know, you have more experience than them. Um, and yet you, you can also r relate to like what it was like when you were a college student yourself. And that um, one of the big things that stood out to me as you were talking was the, the, the this emphasis on, on empathy, really thinking about what this person's going through and, and doing your absolute best to, to make, um, yeah, these these kind of like take these actions on behalf of of the student. And I feel like empathy is also a really important component of global citizenship. Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've we've gone on such a journey <laughs> from you know the influences that your 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 parents had on you to your formative um experiences, you know, learning about psychology and being in the UK. <clears throat> and what the UK represents for you as well. I did not know that. Uh, I was like, oh, I just, you know, you know, silly, but I was like, oh yeah, Muslima, she lives in Ohio. So I guess she just was in Ohio this whole time when of course not, you know, like, you know, our, our lives, like it, there's, there's so much that, that is, is um, yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I lived in Brazil, but people would probably just look at me and be like, oh, you're from California. Right. And I'm like, you're right. And right, so many other things. Um, but you know, I I feel like throughout those different like milestones that we covered, um, you've been very proactive in like identifying things about global citizenship that really, um, you know, are are important to to highlight. Like, you know, the seeing the humanity in others, being quite receptive to diversity and appreciating difference, and then having great empathy. In this last one, um, would you say that this term "global citizenship" is is something that you you hear a lot in your line of work, or would you say it's something kind of more just kind of on the periphery, or it's like more like it's talked about but not really kind of seriously engaged with? How does this term kind of like hit your ears in in the in the current work that you're doing right now? Yeah. So. Um... My, uh, my institution is, uh, I, I think like specifically thinking from just my student affairs, um, division, global citizenship is definitely at the forefront and, um, it's going to actually be implemented into our mission statement. Um, so our, I, I think everyone, uh, in our division is very intentional about, how can we ourselves be global citizens and how can we foster that um, and create dialogue on campus so that students also are able to um, to to embody that. Um, and so that's a term that's used often um, and just, yeah, thinking about the opportunities on campus. Um, and how we can support the students in in being successful global citizens. <laughs> I love that, and that's so cool that your university is, is is seeking to incorporate more of these values of global citizenship into their their mission statement. So that was not always the case, or has it just been a long process of getting to this point? I think. Um... With my institution, students have always been um, very proactive in, in their advocacy and um, um, just, uh, yeah, for, for being change makers. Um, it's always been a campus that has um, had a rich history of, 
you know, supporting civil rights and and women's rights and uh, the history of an institution like that, I think it just continues to build on. Um, so um, it, I think the term global citizenship is now becoming that that term that is needed in um, something more formal, but have they always been performing that? I would say yes, because when I was um, a, a child, you know, that was our safe haven. The town of that college was our pocket of 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 goodness and kindness and acceptance. Um, that was the safe place, and so uh, this the students have always been. I think embodying that as well as the staff and, and, and having the, the staff and faculty just really drive that. I think that's always been the case, um, which is, is why it was my dream institution to end up at because I, I just, I have so much, um, I guess, respect and appreciation, um, for what, for what, it's population did for me when I was a child. So I love how we've just come full circle with your experiences growing up and the sense that like, uh, especially from the story that you told, suddenly you, you would go from a, you know, that kind of like childlike, that whimsy, of, oh, everything's great. And then suddenly <laughs> you experienced a direct hit, like, you know, that was an attack and and to, to understand that that town um, where this this liberal arts college is located was a safe haven, was was this embracing um, or, a, you know, diverse place where you were able to experience, okay, I don't have to keep my guards up all the time necessarily. Um, and then to now be working at this, this college and to be able to, like, really continue to, like, put forth you know, it's, I mean, like give out this generosity of like, I, I want others to to really discover themselves and to enjoy just being a college student and go out into the world as global citizens, right? Make make things better, right? That's, I think, really, really beautiful. It's, there's this concept in, in Buddhism called turning poison into medicine. And I feel like the poison that was kind of shot at both you and uh, your mom right? That you were able to take that and create something so much more beautiful. And um, yeah, and I think that's, that's amazing. That's very global citizen-y of you <laughs> as well. Like seeing the bigger picture, taking the higher moral ground. Um, it was not easy, but it was also in many ways necessary, right? Kind of rise to the occasion and, um, you know, and over the years, find yourself where you are now. Uh, and that makes you so much more relatable uh, a person than anything else, uh, you know, for like students who probably come to you with all like a whole variety of of concerns and complex emotions and feelings and this everything might feel tangled up. And and you yourself can speak about how you've had to, you know, manually untangle a lot of complex emotions yourself. So I think that's um, that's really wonderful. All right. So. Thank you so much, Muslima. Uh, this has been truly a wonderful conversation and very inspiring one as well. Um, I, I I do have one last question for you. It's a question that I always I always ask my my guests, and it involves either a book or like movie recommendation that you think aligns resonates with the conversation that we've been having. So, is there anything um, maybe more recent, or it could be something you come back to frequently, like anything you'd like to recommend for the listeners? Yeah, um, so I have always believed that um, global citizenship and empathy um, begins in childhood. Um, so the book recommendation that I have is a children's book, um, and it is called Yafa and Fatima, Shalom and Salam, um, and that is by Fazia Galani Williams, who is also my mother. Oh, you have to explain a little bit more. So, yeah, 
if you could give like you know like kind of like in the quick the short description of the book um what what is what is it about It is about two friends, one uh, Jewish and one Muslim, and um, it's just a story of kindness and support, and I think it's just a great way of um, bringing about togetherness and teaching children um, openness and kindness, really, because at the end of the day, if we could all be kind... we'd have a much better world. A hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with that. Wow. That is so cool uh, that you can recommend a book that your mom wrote. And it's, it again, lines up with everything that we've heard about her. Um, she is a legend. <laughs> and She is legend. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I like that we're ending on, on a note of kindness, right? That kind of key takeaway, um, And, and that's beautiful. So thank you so much, Muslima. Um, you know, we unfortunately are nearing the end of our conversation, but I wanted to give the last, you know, word, any last thoughts or anything you'd like to share um, before we, we sign off. I just wanted to thank you for, for having me and um, letting me talk about my mama. <laughs> been really great. Thank you so much, Muslima, for joining me on the podcast today. I really enjoyed learning more about the strong influences that your parents were on you to become this giving and generous person and to really, um, you know, support you in your own journey to understand where you, your, your greatest impact will be. And I think it's incredible work that you're doing at the college with disability services and really striving to make the experience for these students um, more equitable. And um, you've been able to do that through really empathizing with others and um, making it very clear how you are there to support them and to uplift them. And I think that that is the kind of orientation that a global citizen needs to have. And you're doing great work and you will continue to do great work for the college and they're very fortunate to have you. So um, thank you again and I hope to have you on the podcast soon.